0: Hello and welcome to the only podcast that's all about Fort Meade, our community, and life in the military. I'm your host, Joe Yavis.
1: And I'm your co-host, Sherry Kuyper, and you're listening to Fort Meade Declassified. I'm down with Fort Meade Garrison Commander, Colonel Eric Sprague. We're going to take a look at his 2020 priorities and what they mean for our service members, their families, and our civilian workforce here at the fort. Good morning, Colonel. Thanks for joining us today.
2: Hey, good morning. My pleasure.
1: All right, sir. So priorities are something that every garrison commander has. I'm not convinced that especially family members and other folks around the fort know exactly what they are and why they're important. So why don't you tell us a little bit about why commanders do this?
2: There, there are so many things going on in an installation. and Unfortunately, we're in a position today or an environment today where we just don't have the resources to do everything that we need to do. So by establishing priorities, we're able to kind of focus our attention, our efforts and our resources to get things done. You know, for, for instance, um, I need about $850 million to get all the buildings on post to the quality rating that I need them to get to. Uh, But unfortunately, I have about $8 million in my SRM account to actually get after that. So establishing priorities allows me to take my finite resources and put them where they're most needed.
1: Your priorities impact more than just the service members because you have a lot of civilians on post and you have a lot of families living on post too. So how does it affect those populations? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, so, one of, the, my, one of my priorities when we're talking, and especially quality of life, we're talking MWR programs and how to basically tailor and adapt existing programs to the family and family needs. Um, we're talking housing, and housing is beyond the service member it's our DOD, it's our DA civilians, it's our contractors, and of course, our service members' uh, families. And, sir, uh, so what would you say are your priorities for 2020? So, I have six priorities. Um, number one priority is protection. That's my fundamental role as a garrison commander is to ensure the safety and security of our, of our residents. Um, and when I'm talking protection, some quick examples would be our access control points uh, and our road networks. Uh, second priority is improving infrastructure here on post. Uh, we've already kind of alluded to about the number of uh, buildings we have and the amount of money that I need. Uh, but it goes, it goes beyond that. We're talking housing at this point. We're also talking the barracks where our junior enlisted live. Uh, Third would be service member readiness. And, uh, you know, off off the top of my head, the first thing that I'm trying to get after is access to health care and behavioral health in particular here at Fort Meade. Uh, Next would be quality of life. And here, again, I'm talking the MWR programs. I'm also talking education for our uh, military uh, families. Partnerships is a fifth... uh, priority. Uh, We have some great partnerships with the Fort Meade Alliance with BWI in terms of uh, transportation, as well as the Central Maryland Chamber of Commerce. But the sixth priority and the one that underpins all all of these is workforce that is meant to support all the tenant organizations here on post, all 119 tenant organizations. But uh, to do the support that they require, um, to get after these priorities that I've laid out, I have to have the right people at the right place at the right time.
0: Uh, some feedback online about the speed bumps on on base, you know, the tire shredders. <laughs> uh, yeah. so w- w- what would you say to the people who are who are asking us why they're there or that they're causing damage to vehicles?
2: Well, <clears throat> so unfortunately, uh, you know, Fort Meade is just kind of a snapshot of Maryland drivers in particular, right? Most people are driving and texting and I know this to be a fact because I stand on the street corners and I watch people doing this Um, but the bottom line is we need people to slow down. We need people to put that dadgum phone away and be courteous drivers but this is all safety. It's safety and you know we have to put speed bumps in to ensure people are going the speed limit or at least slow down in key areas. I mean, I think what you're probably really getting after, or the questions that they were getting after, are the speed bumps and the tire shredders at the access control points. And let me hit that real quick. Uh, west, on 32, there is a, There and I'll tell you how fast you're going. Before we had the speed bumps in there, people were getting out of that gate, doing 25 upwards of 40 miles an hour through that gate. I've got DA security guards that work in there. And it's just a matter of time before someone goes through there and accidentally clips one of, my, one of my employees. It's meant to slow people down. It is meant to slow people down to probably under five uh, miles an hour. Now, the tire shredders. Um, I know there's, there's some uh, people aren't too keen about having the tire shredders there, but that is another security precaution. Uh, not a safety, but security these is anybody trying to access posts through an outbound lane and if they're doing that that means they're up to no good Um, so we're just trying to prevent unauthorized access from the post.
1: Talking about readiness you were talking a little bit about some mental health resources and that that is one of the big is that would you say that's one of the biggest issues facing our our folks here at Fort Meade right now?
2: That is a an immediate concern I mean there, there are plenty there are plenty of um, health-related issues, right? And, and access to world-class health care is one of the chiefest of staff of the Army's uh, quality of life principles. But for us here at Fort Meade, with the nature of what we do, um, having access to behavioral health is extremely important. Unfortunately, I have a large demand for that type of uh, medical support, but the supply is very limited. And that's something that Kimbrough Ambulatory Care Center, myself, and even some of our external partners are trying to work on.
1: And just jumping ahead a little bit, so I happen to know that our community partners are helping a lot with that. And recently we just won an award for one of those projects that we're working on. And I know that community is part of your priorities as well. So do you want to talk a little bit about that project and and where we stand with that?
2: Yeah, so... uh, it was about two weeks ago, uh, the Fort Meade Alliance and, uh, and the garrison leadership, we went down to the Pentagon because we were awarded the FY19 Community Partnership Excellence Award. And that award was basically for the work done by the Fort Meade Alliance to raise money and to gift that money to the Army, which is a tune of about $3.6 million, to renovate Coon Hall, which is right down the street from garrison headquarters. The purpose of Kuhn Hall, or what it will serve as, is an education and resiliency center. Um, so that's going to pay large dividends, not only for service members, but for the family members as well.
1: And one of the things that I know that we want to put in Coon Hall is access to a mental health professional in an environment that's a little bit more, perhaps you could say, inviting to go to than, say, walking into an actual medical facility. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then what kind of impact do you think that will have? Or, or do you hope that that will have on our service I members? hope that
2: it will. Um, I think it will. Can any any support we can get, especially get seeking or getting after the behavioral
0: health aspect here on post,
2: is is going to go a long way.
0: All right. Let's take a quick turn to uh, your quality of life. Right. Um, I know housing is an important part of that, but I know uh, education is also important, and uh, I, I know we want to talk about that. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But uh, what can you tell us about housing?
2: So, housing has been, uh, this has been one of those unforeseen things that came up that has been, um, has taken a majority of my attention since I've been in command. Um, Housing situation was bad. And I don't think you can go back and place the blame on any one person. Um, There is surely blame to go around um, with a privatized partner. But even the military, the uh, military leadership, we're all culpable of this. This really came to light uh, 14 February of last year. Come see me on that day. Most people refer to that as Valentine's Day. To me, that's, that was D-Day. <laughs> I had the Chief of Staff of the Army. I had the Secretary of the Army. Um, I had the Assistant Secretary of the Army for IE&E. And, e, and just about every general officer you could think of came and uh, paid me a visit that morning. It's across all Army installations, it's across DOD, and it's across all RCI privatized partners. Uh, I will say, and I'm proud to say, that in the six, seven months, or going on ten months now, since the housing crisis began, I'm confident to say that the housing crisis has been arrested, but now we're moving on to the next phase, which is a housing campaign. Uh, A lot of work done by just about everybody in the garrison. To include Corvius, and um, even the residents. I and mean, I think one of the best things that we did here at Fort Meade, which is kind of adopted, but well, which was adopted by the Army as a best practice, were these residential focus groups. You now, these are the people that had issues with their house. The table on a monthly basis and sit in our focus groups, and they are part of the solution now. That
1: the housing crisis at Fort Meade is any worse than any other installation? Because I think if you live here at Fort Meade, Fort Meade's name ends up in the news for everything. Mm -hmm. And I have some thoughts on why that is. I was just curious as what your thoughts and like, is our problems any worse anywhere else? And why are we the ones getting all the attention?
2: To that is the housing that we have here on Fort Meade, you've got some that are historic. They were built in the 1930s. They have issues. Um, and those issues were primarily due to, you know, gutters being clogged up and old roofs. you have some of the newer constructed housing, which was built in the late 90s, early uh, aughts? And those are the ones we seem to have a lot of problems with, and I think that was just because it was um, they were erected quickly and using the materials available at the time, but those are typically the ones um, that we're having issues with. Also, probably some bad engineering went behind it in terms of their HVAC systems. And all that kind of contributes to mold. Other organizations, I don't know, because if you look at what's going on at JBLM, or if you look at what's going on at uh, Fort Meyer, they're having significant issues as well, and they continue to have issues. But if I compare my own experience, um, when I was at Fort Leavenworth living on post, the houses were basically brand new. I had no issues. I moved to Fort Huachuca, Arizona, and I lived in um, on post housing, brand new housing. But I had rodent infestation. But that is a result of the seasons, right? Because you, when you have a monsoon season, um, critters want to find a dry, safe place to hang out. Well, the mice all wanted to hang out in my garage. Uh, but that—that's not a result of the um, of shoddy construction or anything like that. That's—that's that's just nature. Uh, but up here. Uh, we have a problem primarily dealing with mold, and that is water intrusion. After it, but we still got a long way to go.
0: On the topic of mold, how can residents help with that? I, I know there's a lot of maintenance and stuff that that the, the families have to do. Um, we can't put everything on Corvius. You know, we we live in these homes. We have to take good care of them as well. Uh, do you have any advice for them? Uh, yeah absolutely i mean so if you
2: well first of all if you suspect mold the first thing you need to do is you need to notify corvus right so put it in a work order because a lot of times when you see just a trace of mold there there's something larger contributing to it um, obviously the residents can always wipe the thing down you know cleanliness is part of it but um you know, oftentimes it's a result of busted water pipes that you can't see, which are behind the wall. So it's imperative that they get Corvius over there, submit a work order, get Corvius over there to take a look at it. And, you know, while we're talking about Corvius, it's also probably important for them to notify their chain of command. So the chain of command can help the service member out.
1: To you as well, right? I know some folks, if, if they don't get any, if we hope that's not the case. We want the chain of command. to to take care of it, but you also have uh, commander open doors on Mondays from 4 to 6. They can come to you about this and and any problem, education problems, giving you a hard time about Clemson, I mean, right, so you you are a resource for them as well.
2: Yeah, so Mondays, 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock p.m., doors open to anybody and everybody for whatever the topic may be. Um, but also, going back to housing, we also have the Garrison Housing Support Office. Um, so uh, Colonel Floyd, Debbie Fox, and their team—great uh, resource to get in—and they're advocates. So they'll make Corvius do what Corvius needs to do.
1: Earlier question: Why do we get so much attention in the media for this? I spend a lot of time tracking this, as everybody in this this booth right now does. Why do we get all the attention?
2: So yeah, we do pop up in the news uh, quite often. Um, part of it is because hey, we do have issues here that need to be addressed. Part of it's probably because of our proximity to the Pentagon and Army senior leaders. Um, and then, you know, uh, no excuses about it. But you have a family. You have families that have um, are seeking monetary retribution from Corvius, fully within their right. A topic that.
1: I know affects me as a military spouse, and I'm sure it's affected other uh, families as well, and I know it's an issue that you're, you're hot after, and that's education. Absolutely. So, <laughs> who did not silence their cell phone? <laughs> um, whoops. Well, I guess the colonel's allowed to keep his cell phone on.
0: That's probably a good thing. He's an important man. That's good. right. That was my wife. Well,
1: uh, you, it's, it's you're going to be in trouble good. for putting her. So, Mrs. Sprague, he just put you to voicemail.
0: Um, I take no responsibility <laughs> for that.
1: But education, sir. Yeah. What? Why is this such a big issue for you? I mean, obviously education's important, but you seem to take a very special interest in this.
2: I absolutely do for a number of reasons. Uh, first of all, I've got two kids that are uh, they attend or they go to Anne Arundel County Public Schools. My wife is a lifelong educator. She's a teacher. I've got seven Anne Arundel County public schools on my installation. So I have a high school, meet High School. I have two middle schools, and I have four elementary schools.
1: And as Garrison Commander, what, uh, what, am, what amount of control do you have over anything at the schools? I mean, do you have control over curriculum? Do you have control? What, kind of, um, what level of, of that do you have?
2: So in terms of control, I have influence maybe over curriculum. So what they're doing over at Mead High School, Cybercom in particular, working to get the uh, cyber lab put in and, and working with the, um, the school board to put in a cyber curriculum. So that's great. But That, that is influence. Uh, in terms of control, unless it comes down to a, a safety or security issue, that's when I would intervene.
0: Uh, are, are we in a unique position where we have uh, children from outside of the installation uh, going to school on the installation? Is that, is that unique to Fort Meade, or is that something that other, play, other forts experience?
2: Well, until I became a garrison commander, I never paid any attention to it. But I will say here at Meade High School, in general, the elementary schools are predominantly military-affiliated children. When you get to the middle schools, it's almost a 50-50 split between military affiliated and then children brought on post from the surrounding communities. When you get to the high school, Meade High School, approximately a quarter of the population is military affiliated and the remainder are being brought in from,
1: uh, from the local communities. Sir, do you think we have safety and security issues with our schools here on Fort Meade? Uh,
2: yes. Um, and I'll just give one quick example. So this is towards the beginning of the school year. a uh, And I think a lot of people will recall like Fight fight Club videos going mm-hmm. viral all over the place. Yeah. And it started getting out of hand. I mean, just kids um, just wailing on each other in the high schools. And then recording it and sharing and it rec- on social media. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, great idea. But anyway, so yeah, they were doing that. And then uh, I think I believe it was on a Wednesday. A fight broke out at the high school. Uh, just the faculty was quick to break the fight up. But what they ended up doing is literally just walking across 175 behind the library, and they got back into a fight. And apparently it turned into not not just fists and, and boots, but it turned into guns as well. Wow. Wow. Um, so that, that happened on a Wednesday, a Thursday on social media, apparently the, the two sides that were fighting wanted to continue the fight onto the football game that Friday, and uh, Mead High School was hosting the football game. Mm-hmm. And they were alluding to shooting up the game. So we worked with the uh, Anne Arundel County Public Schools. Um, I basically said, hey, I need a plan. Well, the plan initially was just postpone it until Saturday morning. And to me, that's not a plan. So I threatened to cancel the game, and then I was uh, made aware that, hey, you don't have the power to, uh, to cancel a game. Mm-hmm. I thought about it, and I said, yeah, you're right, but here's what I can do. I can shut the gates. And that's wow. essentially kind of what happened. That the works. game would eventually move to Monday. Uh, we shut the gates. The only people allowed to the football game were the football players, the coaching staff, medical staff, and security.
0: An unfortunate uh, step, but it worked.
2: Yeah, yeah. it did. Yeah. But again, it it's, it goes back to my number one um, priority as a as a garrison commander, and that's to assure the safety and security of our residents here on post. I don't need that crap, you know, moving from the high school over onto our um, Fort Meade proper.
1: Absolutely. Next uh, next topic, I've personally know the pain of this as a military spouse. I've moved around to a lot of installations. And when I came here, I didn't know I was gonna be working at Fort Meade. My husband was stationed down at the Naval Academy, and I really wanted to live in Annapolis, but I did what every spouse does, and I start looking at the schools, and I was like, yeah, I don't want my kid at Annapolis High School. So I thought, like in other states we lived, I'd have something called school choice. And I didn't have it, and so I ended up not living where I wanted to live and lived in a different area just so I could get my kid to the school that I wanted to and I bring this up sir because I know that that is uh something that you're that you're interested in in school choice so what so clearly we don't have it here in Anne Arundel County and where are we with that and why do you think it's so important
2: yeah so this is huge um you know the army tells people where they're going to move yep and because of the cost of living here living out um in Anne Arundel County or Howard County, outside the base, it becomes pretty expensive. A lot of our service members can't afford to do that, so they. And that's one of the, that's one of the benefits of living here on post, right? But when you live here on post, um, you expect to have good education opportunities. Now, let me let me preface this by saying, Mead High School and the middle schools they have some great curriculums there. Uh, but one of the challenges is. Uh, enrolling your child into those programs Mm -hmm. oftentimes to get into some of these programs there is a spring deadline to sign up for reality is if you're moving out of state to here you get your request for orders in about the march time frame um, and you're not even thinking about deadlines it's not till you arrive in the summertime trying to enroll your child in school that you realize oh my child can't get in this program because i missed the deadline So then, what happens is well, you're kind of stuck with the schools that you have and what's available to you. Um, and to me, I don't think that's fair.
0: And that's an Anne Arundel
2: policy. Well, or so the you have policy. So the Maryland has a Maryland recognizes the interstate compact. Every state does. And if you're going from um, if you're transferring your your student on the A uh, the AP or IB programs, it, it's pretty easy. That's seamless. It's the other curriculums that are made available, um, like the Homeland Defense or the cyber programs, even music and drama, which not necessarily here, but magnet schools, right? Those are the deadlines that you miss.
1: And it's not just here in Ronda County. I mean, we've lived in Georgia. I've lived in Norfolk. I've never been able to get my kid in any of those programs because I either missed deadlines uh-huh. or the school she was at beforehand didn't offer it, so now she was behind and run the risk of not even getting into the programs, uh-huh. which means I run the risk of her getting going to a school that I didn't really want her in. I only wanted her in because of a certain program. So I think it's really important, I mean, for me, I think it's really important for families just to have more flexibility with the schools because... Every branch of the military is told where to go. Yeah. And, and, and
0: that's difficult with the PCS seasons being at weird times or awkward right. times compared to when school goes.
1: What, so what can we do to let the school district know that that we want these things for, for our families?
2: The Army has five quality of life initiatives. Housing, spousal employment, child development centers, access to world-class health care, and um, basically revising our permanent change of station procedures. When I look at education, there, there seems to be a gap. We're talking about spousal employment and we're talking about child development centers for the young tykes, right? But there's that large group in the middle that are going to the elementary, middle and high schools. So I look at this as a quality of life issue. Um, I've already you know, I've been socializing this with the senior commander um, as well as the installation management command uh, commanding general just to make sure it's on their radar screen so that's kind of what I'm doing at my level that and talking with Anne Arundel County Public Schools about this and the Maryland State Board of Education but what residents can do here or parents of children that are going to these schools is just get involved be a member of the parent teacher association Go to the school boards, voice your concerns, um, and demand better.
1: And I know uh, one of the ways that parents can um, help you on this mission, sir, is the school survey that's coming out. So. It's sometime here in the uh, beginning of 2020, here uh, families that have children in our schools here on post, you're going to be getting a survey that will get after uh, school safety issues, curriculum, and things of that nature. So everyone is encouraged so strongly to fill that out because that'll give you. I want to say leverage might not be the right word, but it'll give you some data to go with when you're when you're talking to these people, saying that we want these things, and it'll it'll help in that nature.
2: Exactly. I, it's the data that I need. I've got plenty of anecdotal anecdotes, <laughs> um, but I need the data to support these. Uh, you know, kind of what I'm trying to get after. And that
0: requires participation from the
2: community. It does, yeah. and, and the constant feedback to me. Yeah. Because again, although I don't control,
0: um, I can influence. In a in a way, parents could take control of their situation by by participating, being absolutely. a part of the system, the, absolutely or the, the process. Yep.
1: Do you have anything you want to add, anything we didn't, It's kind of a free-for-all moment, anything that we didn't touch on that you want to get into a little bit? Army got beat at the Army-Navy game. No. Are you sure? Because yeah. it was
0: a really good game. Yeah, that no, was very boring. <laughs> for you it was, yes. <laughs> not, for, not for the Navy. We well, are that's That was recording. what we were doing, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you have to do it again.
1: No, I mean I feel like it's it's. We'll just have to cut Chad out.
0: Yeah, we'll cut Chad out. Um,
1: yeah. But I have a great picture, a selfie I took at the game, with uh, me, my husband, and my stepmom all Navy fans, and my very very
0: pouty father. Football game on base where the Army won, but there you go. Yeah, three years in a row. Three years in a row. Three years in a row. But Navy
2: got us at the big game. Well, oh, you know the funny thing is, uh, Army seemed to have three plays. Three plays. Air For- or The Navy had four plays, and I think that's why they won. They actually kind of threw the ball every once in a while.
0: Yeah, there's a few uh, veterans groups on social media who were complaining about just stop passing the ball and, and, and actually th- well, start passing the ball, instead they exactly. so constantly rushing.
1: I think Navy's had, had more uh, passing yards in the first game than they did their entire last season. <laughs> <laughs> they also have Malcolm Perry, which sadly we are losing this year. To graduation, so we'll get him in another great aspect in
0: the Navy. But speaking of uh, speaking of games, uh, what uh, what are your predictions for Clemson?
2: So Clemson's playing Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl on 28 December. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a bit of foreshadowing. Yes, I think this is uh, it's going to go one of two ways. It's going to be a blowout. It's either going to be a blowout and Clemson wins, or it's going to be a blowout and Ohio State wins. I'm a Clemson fan, obviously, so I'm, I'm expecting Clemson to win, and I expect to see Clemson
0: and LSU play in the ch- national championship game. You, you heard it here first, folks. You heard his predictions. When this airs, we're going to see where we stand, yeah. okay? We're going to see where Clemson landed.
1: I just want to say he thought Army was going to win, too, and we saw how that turned out. So
0: Well, it's easy to, it's easy to, to think that since we won last time. Exactly. So.
1: All right, All right, sir. Any, any last remarks? This is it. You just helped us finish our first podcast. No,
2: this, was a, this was a great opportunity to kind of put out some of these, uh,
0: some notes to the community. So I appreciate the effort that went behind this. And we appreciate your time, sir. I know you're a very important person. Everybody wants a little bit of your time. So I, I appreciate you giving a little bit of it to us, especially with the holidays so close. Uh, I know when this airs, uh, the holidays are going to be behind us. Uh, but we want you all to know we've been working very close to the holidays because it never stops. Nope, this train just keeps on a moving.
1: Best part of your job as garrison commander?
2: Best part of my job as garrison commander is being able to go home to my family every night, so I'm not deployed. Um, it, this garrison commander gig, is uh, it's very interesting. You know, I spent... Um, Going on 25 years in the military, learning how to be or evolving as a leader, um, evolving as a military intelligence professional. I feel very comfortable doing that stuff. Then, when they put you in a position where you're essentially a mayor of 57,000 people, uh, they don't really train you for this. So, every day it's something new um, that you're, you're dealing with. You know, I, I can sit down and Talk about a dirt pile for about three hours, <laughs> and then the next meeting I'm talking about child development centers, um, and the next meeting I'm talking about education. So it just it runs the gamut. And I, I bet they would all
0: three be equally compelling arguments. Oh yeah, especially the dirt pile. Exactly, <laughs> that's great. That's great.
1: Here, and you know,
0: I found it quite funny that he says he stands on the street corner and watches people speeding. That's got to be something, right, to see a full bird colonel standing on the on the corner. But the thing is, is people
1: probably don't know it's him because he's probably not in his uniform. But I'm just curious if DES gives him special uh, pullover privileges. <laughs> you know, perhaps maybe they should give him a, a speed gun so that way when um, when he's clocking in, folks at the corner. Be like so. a
0: citizen's arrest. That's but right, it's from the garrison commander.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Call, call you call you into the office there. Um, so I I actually appreciate that he gets out and does stuff like that. I mean, I yeah. think it's probably a little more than, than he should have to do, but...
0: Well, I mean, it's one of those things where it's definitely... He, he's a busy enough guy as it is. He's like the mayor of Fort Meade. But, you know, it, it, it's something else. It's it, it really is something else, and, and we appreciate that. Because if, if people are speeding, I mean, sometimes you got to get out there, stand on the corner, put your safety belt on, and and, and flag some people down.
1: So consider this your warning? The colonel's out there, and if you're speeding, he might be catching you.
0: He's got his eyes on you.
1: That's right. And, uh, you know, when he talked about the housing crisis, um, it is, really did happen on Valentine's Day. So here in the, you weren't here yet, Joe, but I was here in the PAO office, and I remember when this thing hit. And it was on Valentine's Day, and... Um, For the colonel to remember the day so specifically and call it "crisis day," I'm
0: sure it's burned into his memory. (laughs) Oh, it's
1: like one of those events. Like, where were you on Housing Crisis Day? And Colonel will know, and he can tell you exactly what time uh, he knows exactly what happened. Yeah, so so that's that's great. Well, I thought it was awesome that the colonel was on today, and um, looking forward to our next person. Yeah,
0: and we want to thank you for joining us. This is this is our first show. We're looking forward to hearing from you, you know, the community. You you are why we're here. And uh, we're excited. We're excited. This is fun, and we hope you can join us for the ride. And we look forward to hearing from you and talking to you next time. If our our, uh, listeners here,
1: if our friends want to uh, leave any comments, make suggestions, or, you know, rag on Clemson, what are some ways that they can do that so we can get it on the podcast?
0: So they can hit us up on uh, Facebook at Fort Meade, uh, FT Meade is uh, our handle there. You can hit us up on Instagram or at Fort Mead PAO, and you can hit us up on Twitter Fort Mead MD.
1: Okay, great. And let us know if you love us or hate us. Well, actually, just if you love us, if. If you don't like us that much, uh, you know, we be nice. We prefer it if you love us. Yeah, we prefer it if you love us. My Joe's feelings are very sensitive. And I am a very I, sensitive guy. I yes. don't want him to cry. It will be a lot of consoling going <laughs> on there. Just kidding. But seriously, though, we do want your feedback. Um, what you want to hear on the podcast, uh, people you would love for us to interview, um, anything that you just want to know and uh, don't have the answer to, uh, drop us a line. We'll see what we can do.